Who's wrong and who's wronger? In this corner, followed by Millions James, the exploding unicorn, Breakwell. And in that corner, ignored by Millions, Steve Dash, Rinko Lieber. Hey everybody, welcome back to Wrong and Wronger, where misery and company meet and fall in love. <laughs> I am Steve, constantly miserable Olivas, and he is James, the best company I could do under the circumstances break well. But James, I, our pre-production meeting was filled with flowery anger on your part that we're not going to talk about, but it bestills my heart to know that there is somebody who almost rivals my level of ambient misery. Thank you for that. Yes, I, and I thought as I wanted somebody to sympathize with, I could think of no other more miserable person than you. <laughs> and so it's a shame that you're 95 hours away down there in the frozen hills of whatever state you're in. because. We, yeah. Now would be a good time to grab a drink and just scream at the world. But yeah. instead, mm. I'm going to let just you scream at the world because you probably need to get the blood flowing so you don't freeze to death. <laughs> would you care to update us on what has happened since the last time we talked about Rattlesnake Ranch? I had to Ranch? text you because uh, Mrs. Steve lost all sense of humor and that love and feeling about the ranch and caught up <laughs> with my appraisal that we should have burned this epping thing down and started over instead of pouring our life savings into trying to rehab it. And now we're out of life savings and probably more rehab to do than when we started the project because it's a cluster F. But 12 degrees over the weekend and... The other part of this backstory, which is relevant in how we found out what was happening at the house, is our dog got shaved because he had some mats and tangles that my mm. wife couldn't brush out. So he looks like a hairless cat on the lap of a James Bond villain, <laughs> and he's freezing all the time. And it got down to 12 degrees over the weekend where I live. You were probably in single digits where you live. You know what I'm talking about. And uh, Saturday afternoon, I think it was Saturday, it's whenever I texted you and said, I'm going to bite down on the cyanide capsule now. <laughs> that, uh, uh, so my wife goes, is it cold in here? <laughs> he answered, now the dog shivers all the time, mm -hmm. but he was in his sweater shivering. And the answer was yes, the temperature had dipped down to below even what I set the thermostat at in hotels. Wow. And so we looked, the heat went out in the big cabin too. Heat went out in the little cabin already last time we met. Now we have no heat in the big cabin because the heat is water, hot water that circulates under the floor. Now, what you need in order to circulate hot water under the floor is water. And when the water goes out in the winter, we got no heat. And that's what happened. Something happened with the water company and there were huge air pockets in the water coming through and it burned out our pump. <laughs> so we had to bleed the line, which took forever because I, I literally had to drain the entire floor system and start over again and get all the air out of it. And the pump, we have the old pump that was kind of broken. We replaced it with a new pump that now I couldn't even touch. It was so hot, <laughs> like it was burning. And I thought, all right, I can replace the new pump with the old one, which should limp us through Saturday and Sunday until we can buy another new pump Monday. But it's a whole operation to replace the pump. But I was willing to do it, except miraculously, James, 
because we needed something to break our way. When the air got bled out of the system and the pump got time to cool down, it restarted magically when I plugged it back in. But there was a good, I had to cancel a meeting. There was about an hour and a half where we were trying to deal with this. And it was bad, and that was the end of Mrs. Steve's patience with the entire rehab. I am impressed that she made it all the way to this yeah. point. She made it through, what, yeah. 70, 80 disasters in a row before she, she fizzled <laughs> out? I mean, that's no, no wonder she's been able to put up with you all these years. She has the patience <laughs> of a saint. I would, have, I would have broken it like disaster three. Now, couldn't, yeah. you, couldn't you have just turned the water on and off to, to get it out? I mean, wasn't there some sort of... Uh, thing you could have turned to avoid this from happening? Uh, I told you there is a Rube Goldberg collection <laughs> of those things in that room. <laughs> I like how the people on Twitter have picked up on this and are trying to feed those words to us as if we're going to read their tweets online or on the show. Come on, people. Oh, we're I, better than that. I got to say this now before uh, before I forget. So to promote my book, I did a, a Reddit AMA and Ask Me Anything forum conversation. Ooh. And I didn't get that many people coming in from like the, the thread out there. So I ended up just feeding my own people into it, which is what I do everywhere I go. So I put out the call on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram that I was going to be on this forum. And they'd come ask me questions. And I had somebody come and say they listen to the podcast like from all the corners of follow follower dumb that they could come like to have a podcast <laughs> fan out there like interacting with me i was going to say in the flesh but you know virtually whatever but it's yeah, it's always so flesh. startling and they said they were they were going through they were streaming them all and i guess i guess that's why our our uh you know listens every week continue to skyrocket into the high single digits i mean we are on fire lately <laughs> thanks to people like that random guy in that reddit forum so thank you to you whoever you were and i'm sure i knew your name at the time and now i forgot it since i was a monster and for those of you who missed it from previous weeks there is a forbidden word that we said way too much about nine episodes in a row and now the first one of us to say it again owes the other one dinner uh but i know if it's steve who wins he doesn't have any money so he's probably going to like send me a check from a McDonald's or something, but that's okay. I know who he is. I know what to expect. <laughs> yeah, hold that check until Friday, yeah. James, <laughs> if you don't mind. You know, the funny thing is, you, you mentioned that you don't have any of these levered type of devices in your home. You have the turn spigot type. Yes. I don't know what the inner workings of those spigots is. It might still work the same as one of these on the inside. I mean, it very well could. I mean, at some level, there's only so many ways to cut off, uh, you know, flowing water. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I am really not interested. In, well, I, I told you about our plumbing disaster last week. We've been trading plumbing disasters back and forth. Yeah. I actually used to be the one with the furnace trouble. My furnace used to stop working when it was cold outside, which, you know, was kind of the time <laughs> when you really wanted to go. And it did this for years in a row. We'd call the furnace people out, and then we finally figured out the only way we could keep it going is we'd when it would stop working. Like, it would say it was running, but it just basically burn itself out. And you have to yeah. go and turn it off and turn it on again in the middle of the night. It's like, oh, it's going to be 10 below. And I don't have to set my alarm and wake up three times like you're, you know, stoking a wood fire, except I'm going down to the basement to turn it off and turn it on again. And it turned out finally that one guy we had come in here and he goes, yeah, he was probably like 20 years old, just straight out of trade school. After we had everybody else at every company look at it, he's like, they just built it wrong. They they put in one big duct to feed in air and they should have put in two. It's not getting enough air. So we paid him 500 bucks and he put in a second duct. And you know what? We have a furnace when it's cold out. It is pretty remarkable. <laughs> I have wow. to say, yeah, I, I never would have imagined that having heat 
in cold weather would be this nice. I mean, I feel like I'm a I'm a king right now. I'm just I am living a life of luxury, which oh. I'm sure you could appreciate after going without heat for a bit. That when you don't have it, you realize you go down to subsistence levels pretty quick. Yeah, no, it was we were ready to eat the dog and the neighbors like it was Donner Party level. I thought you were going to say the only way to make that furnace work would be to move it to Florida. But <laughs> apparently someone was able to make it work in Indiana. How does that happen? I wow. know. I, I'm sure you. it would, you know, in, in 70 or 80 degree temperatures, it would have been perfectly happy to generate no heat. It would have just kept puffing along and, and everything <laughs> would have been fine. Yeah, so it's but we don't have the in-floor uh, heating system like you do. My my aunt and uncle have something similar. They have a uh, it's like geothermic heat, though. I think there's pipes that go way oh. down in the ground, and then it comes up and it gets pumped through their concrete floor. So similar to yours, but different. I don't know if there's actual. I mean, there must be water involved on some level to get it through there, but it's actually the heat of the ground. Because, you know, in Iowa, apparently there are volcanoes underground or something. I don't know where the heat's coming from. Uh, but over there, the, your heat's coming from, you know, the pits of hell, because you obviously built this thing over yeah. just a demon yeah. cavern that's just shooting evil straight up into your house. Yeah, no, and it's got good aim because uh, <laughs> the nice thing, too, is it doesn't shoot all the evil at once, James. It waits until we feel like we have our arms around one problem and then pow, the devil squeezes the trigger and another one pops up. Equally as problematic, equally as tragic, and equally as expensive Ooh. as every other one before it. And the devil, he's got plenty of ammunition like uh, that. That quiver isn't going to run out of arrows anytime soon. Now I'm mixing metaphors horribly on you, but I think you know what I mean. You know, I think your problem is that you keep feeling good for, about yourself. Like you keep getting back to the point of hope and thinking this is the last disaster when you know that getting to that point will just bring about another disaster. What you yeah. need to find is a disaster that you can live with and just sit there. Just keep that disaster. Yeah. Don't solve it. Don't fight it off. Just keep that disaster current and there will be more no more disasters afterwards. You'll create a disaster log jam and the current not that bad disaster will stop all the other ones from crushing your house so having no heat that might be one you want to get past but if the disaster after this is like you know i don't know uh no uh no plumbing in the secondary cabin or you know a meteor strikes your garage like whatever it is just stay there don't rebuild don't just just stop and i think you'll be okay <laughs> boy i love the garage i would hate for that to happen but you know if i have to leave it meteor destroyed i absolutely will I was just thinking about the first time when we learned how to bleed the line, when we had air in the system, when it worked, like my wife jumped up and like held her hand out for me to high five. Oh. And this time I, I had my finger over the on off switch of the pump. And I turned to her and I said, this is the moment of truth. And I pushed it. And like three Mississippi later, the pump came on and I screamed, Woo! And I held up my hands and she stood with her arms at her side, just completely expressionless, looking back at me. Like she couldn't even feel joy when we had a break go our way, James. It's over. The bloom is off the road. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she lost the ability to feel joy the day she married you. But it's good that she could fake it sometimes for you. I do know that that broken feeling, though. It's it, it, You know what? She's, she's what's going to stop those disasters from coming. So you experience joy. So you're just begging those g demons to come back out. She is just broken. She's just established a baseline level of misery that should be expected anytime someone's in your company. And because she's there, the demons have nothing to destroy. 
destroy. She's already broken. She is out there doing her part to protect you. And you are like the little puppy that keeps getting kicked. And you just keep coming back thinking this time you're not going to get kicked. And you're going to get kicked again. That's just that's just how it goes, Steve. Stop stop going around that demon boot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so you're saying, like, for Satan, it's no fun with her anymore. Yeah. Because, like, uh, it's neither here nor there for her. Yes. But for me, I get sent halfway to heaven, and then my spirit snaps like a twig under his foot. I know what you're saying. Yeah. But I'm just, I'm a basically happy person, what? James. You understand? <laughs> where where did this come from? Like, I, I will have, we spend, what, uh, 25 minutes a week recording? And I would have to say every second of the rest of the week, you have to be the most miserable person. Because the second we stop recording, <laughs> the anger and the hatred just rolls out of you. Oh, and it rolls, James, like a tsunami that starts from miles at sea and just builds momentum all the way, one after the other, wiping out small island nations. That's my misery. Honestly, yes. every time I hit record, I'm surprised that you know any words other than swear words. It's like, oh, he does have basic language <laughs> skills. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, I used to have a fairly good life, James. You know, <laughs> I was in Olivas Manor. We had things like toilets. And uh, now it's we, we don't even have neighbors if something goes wrong and we need help with anything. We just have us and uh, the power of almighty Satan. To, to pull from you know what though you just you are proving my general philosophy with life that we no matter oh. what we have we just kind of we, we just sink to a level of discontentment we just grow unhappy with whatever we have you before Lee lived in the sprawling Steve Olivas manor you know 10 mm. or 20 or 30 acres of indoor space in the richest neighborhood <laughs> of of the capital of, of the kingdom of Tennessee or wherever it was <laughs> up on your hill surrounded by guards and brick walls and all of that and you were unhappy because once a year somebody would set off fireworks on the 4th of July yeah. disturbing yeah. your 7 p.m. bedtime like that was the height <laughs> of unhappiness to you you could not imagine being more miserable and so you sold that house and moved a hundred miles away into the middle of nowhere to escape those fireworks do you hear the fireworks anymore Steve only in my nightmares, James, <laughs> which I have both when I sleep at night and when my eyes are open during the day. You know, I'll add to another. Not only was it 30 to 40 acres of indoor space, but the people who lived there called me Sire. If you remember <laughs> right, we had two hockey billets that I made call me Sire in the house, and they both did. <laughs> it was fabulous. Oh, is this, is, is this, you know what? You made me pause. Now, I, I can't honestly tell if you're choking or not. I can totally no, see this. dead serious. Dead Two serious. Two 18-year-old boys living, and I made them call me sire, and they both did. In fact, one of their mothers still refers to me as sire online when she writes wow, on Facebook that, stuff to me. Those messages have to be very strange. Make sure I never see them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they called my wife Mrs. Sire. Mrs. Sire. Wow. Ah, it was fun to be the king for just that brief moment in time. I think that perpetual happy unhappiness is just an old person thing because my wife's dad he had a similar thing going. They were they were in a pretty good sized house in a very nice subdivision, and they decided to like after they got rid of all their kids, they decided to move to a bigger house uh, because in their current very nice neighborhood it was getting not so nice. Because for example, somebody par parked a boat 
in their driveway. <laughs> like, you know, this was a, a rich enough neighborhood that people could own boats, but they they put the gaudy boat on display. Because I guess, I guess a boat is an eyesore. I was not aware of this. Like, I've never been driving down the street and been like, oh my gosh, avert your eyes, there's a boat. But that was his reaction. <laughs> it was like you and fireworks. Like, I, I hear fireworks on the 4th of July, and I think, uh, you know, there's somebody who loves America, and you hear for, uh, fireworks on the 4th of July, and you think, there goes the neighborhood. And that's the fundamental difference between you and me, <laughs> that even when things are going wrong, I am truly a happy person who thinks the best of other people, and you are you, and that is why we are where we are now. I will say the firework display that Mrs. Steve and young Steve put on on the, on, uh, the New Year's Eve this year was was remarkable. Like they dropped hundreds of dollars at the fireworks store and uh, we have plenty of property and nobody around to tell us not to. So it was uh, it was a big display. Wait, 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 wait. So I thought fireworks were the problem. Was the problem that other people were setting off fireworks? Like, were you just mad the they didn't invite you over? The problem. No. We just happened to call the cops one Fourth of July. That's why you hung on to that story. The fireworks were always the problem. Like, you, we have. There's what? video. Okay, okay. There are at least three people who have listened to every episode of this podcast, and they can go back because I certainly won't. But they can go back and find the episode <laughs> where you complained about this. Like it was the worst thing in the world. Like you were. Like you might as well have been living next to a crack house like that was your opinion of these people setting off fireworks yes. and now you no. get out there and now you are setting off fireworks i don't even know who you are anymore i'll tell you what man you can do anything in the country we have we bought a uh, an iron barrel to like for a burn barrel i think you know what i'm talking yes, about oh, absolutely a gallon drum i'm a big now, fan you of need burn holes barrels, in yes. the burn barrel so i took a handgun and shot <laughs> holes in the bottom of the burn barrel because taking a drill in a bit just isn't quite as fun as setting that sucker up and shooting holes in it. But those are the kinds of things that nobody blinks an eye at out where I live. And see, this is where our mutual country roots are going to bring us together. Because I think somebody, if, if city folk heard that story, they'd be like, what are you doing? Isn't that unsafe? And all I'm thinking is, what are you doing? Ammunition is expensive. Like, what is <laughs> Chris Rock did a bit about you should charge $500 for a bullet because that way if someone died, they really needed to die. <laughs> this is true. I have, I have heard that bit. And, you know, I believe Chris Rock has a bit more than our nine listeners. So maybe we should be more like him and less like us. <laughs> James, man, I don't know what it costs around you, but uh, it's not as expensive out where I live. Really? Uh, that's all I'm going to say. Well, yeah. what what weapon was this? Was this like a twenty-two? Or you said you said it was a handgun, though, right? Was it was not no, a rifle? No, it was a thirty-eight. It was a nine millimeter uh, shooting thirty-eight, three three eighty cartridges actually. Three is is a three eighty? Is that the Magnum? Yeah, that's the um, the that's like, uh, caliber. Okay, I was thinking this. For some reason, I was thinking if you put a zero after that, was the Magnum like the dirty hairy version of it? So the thirty-eight. That's like the. Anyway, we're going to get way off track here and cancel. So we're going to stop right there. I, I don't actually own any guns. I just, but I, I have read a fair amount them uh, amount of, of, of if I could talk a fair amount about them over the years. See, I'm getting all disturbed because now I realize you're armed and dangerous, and I need to probably be a bit nicer to you. Just gotta gotta watch what I say. I'm not out of driving range for you. <laughs> I tell you what, I'm going to get into archery neck. When you come out, we'll shoot some guns. We've got plenty to shoot and there's plenty of ammo to go around. But I want to start shooting bows and arrows. I've never done that in my life. Oh. And I think it's just cool. 
yeah, I've got it. And you know, I, I pay a hundred bucks a year to be a member of this uh, archery club. And this last year, I think I went twice. So I really... Oh, so you know a lot about it? I know the opposite. I only went twice, Steve. I don't know much at all. Well, but, but you're a member of an archery club. I know. I uh, My idea was that eventually I'm going to, you know, hunt my own deer and get some venison to be amazing. But uh, I have to get to the point where I can hit something and then actually kill it. And I am not there. Like if there were if there were a deer standing exactly 20 <laughs> yards ahead of me sideways, like there's a 50 50 chance I would hit it. But I mean, <laughs> you're not going to get that scenario. Over half. It on its side. Yeah. And if it's if it's, you know, ambulatory in any way. If it is still moving like one mile an hour gradually forward, there's no way I'm gonna I'm gonna like hit the little girl a hundred yards behind that deer. I'm never gonna hit the deer. Wow. Well I'll have targets set up. I, I'm gonna start getting into archery. So when you come out, we'll we'll figure out uh, I'll make sure to not put the targets near my house. <laughs> So it's, it's nice because, like, you know, bullets, you just spend them and it's gone. You just burn through yeah. money. Our arrows, you can go get them. Or at least that's what I thought. Like, you shoot the arrow, you get the arrow back. But if you're yes. really bad, sometimes you shoot the arrow and you miss the target and you hit the wood around the target. And then you have to go <laughs> out there with, like, vice grips while everybody looks at you and try to twist it out. And, it, and you just ruin the arrow and your self-esteem and, your, you know, your, your chances of being renewed for the next year of archery membership. So keep that in mind. Watch out for that wood. Oh, and I'll do you one better. Not just if you're very bad do you burn through arrows, but also if you're very good. Because the guy I'm talking to about this was a competitive archer. Ooh. And he said what they used to do was uh, because they would try to shoot into, just like in Robin Hood, shoot into the back of somebody else's arrow and just, like split the arrow. But uh, when you group the arrows too close on a target, you start, I forgot what the feathers are called now, but you start ruining those feathers and you've got to refeather the arrows or they're done. And he said, so what we would end up doing is we would put golf tees into the target and then aim at the center of the golf tee because that way <laughs> we didn't screw up each other's arrows. And I was like, God dang, I could put a golfer in front of the target and probably not hit it. But they were hitting golf tees. That's how good they were. So the nice thing about archery, so especially if you do it like at 20 yards, which is kind of the, there's an indoor range to this place too. And it's hard to get a building much bigger than 20 yards unless you live in the old Steve Olivas manor. Uh, but basically at <laughs> 20 yards like you know I, i'm inaccurate and i'm inconsistent but being inaccurate and inconsistent means that sometimes strictly by accident i'll hit a bullseye and you look really good like wow you knew what you were doing and it's like yes ignore the 19 shots before that and the 19 after that it's clearly not random chance i clearly meant to put that one right there uh but the couple times i was down there that there were other people there at the same time like they were they were good they were doing that they were putting them in a you know a tight cluster in the area of a yeah. of a quarter and it's it's pretty impressive and it's uh it's God. a sport you know they there were little kids there doing it actually there's an archery team and their dads were coaching them and that's that's the only only way I learned. So I, I received most of my knowledge about I Boy Scout camp like 20 years ago, and then when I got a bow again, I watched like three YouTube videos, and I figured I was I was good to go. And then one day I was there, and a guy was coaching his eight year old daughter. He's like, "You want some help?" And I was like, "Yes, please, sir, show me what I am doing." And so that is that is how I learned. And so I, uh, I I'm still horribly inaccurate, but I'm at least inaccurate like with the right tools and the right form. So I but until I shoot, I look like I know what i'm doing and then i shoot and everybody you know the, the illusion is foiled ah but you own the equipment and you have some experience you yes. understand the mechanics i 
might be argue better than you if you have never shot a bow and arrow before. After you've Zero. shot your bow and arrow for like half an hour, you will surpass me. But for that first half hour, I will be your guru. I will be I will be your sensei of archery. <laughs> Well, frankly, you could just make stuff up, and I wouldn't have any idea. <laughs> so here's how here's how you calibrate it. You pull all the way back, and you point the arrow at your foot. And just let it go. <laughs> trust me. Trust me. This yeah. is how all the pros do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's uh, let us set our sights on doing this again next week, James. Yes, I am very sad that we're making it to week two without saying the forbidden word. I'm worried now that maybe we're too good or too cheap and it's just never going to happen. But I will say this, even if we forget about it for six years, this challenge is live until one of us fails. Here's what I'm going to do, James Breakwell. I told you I have an extra one of those sitting around my house, yes, didn't I? you did. Okay, that is going to be set up on the target when you arrive, and it will be open, and we will see if you can snake an arrow through and open one of those things. Uh, I'm going to spoil it for you right now. No, but please leave it up there. Yeah. Maybe maybe when it's up there, you'll accidentally blurt it out, and I'll win a free dinner. So let's let's set it up there just in case. All right, all right. And uh, maybe the first one of us who snakes an arrow through there. That'd be the tiebreaker if nobody says the word before then, then we have a shoot-off for who knows who did If we do a whole show on trying to shoot an arrow through one of those things, how hard would it be to not say that word? Oh, okay. Well, now this is going to happen. If we make it, if we make it till warm weather and we still haven't failed, this is going to happen. It's going to, we're going to have to edit it down because it's going to be us out there for like three hours trying to do this. Neither of us is going to be able to lift our arms by the end. I see what you're saying. Like, we'll actually film us trying to do that. Yeah. Not gonna waste content, Steve. I don't do things just for fun. <laughs> to put it on the internet and whore it out for attention. That's how this works. <laughs> well, until then, where you might actually see one of us die right there <laughs> live on tape. It'll be wrong and wronger. The death by bow and arrow episode. <laughs> Well, until we meet again in one of the last meetings we'll have before the end comes, not quickly enough for me, keep that in mind, and all of my misery, but this is Steve Olivas, Dr. Steve, Dr. Misery for James. You too can have company with him when he tries to find a new podcast co-host, Breakwell, saying thanks for watching, thanks for listening, and as always, two wrongs can make a right. <laughs>